What's up, everybody? This is Dominic DiMaria with Millennial Producer, back with another episode for you. This time we have Michael Vlamis and Joe Manconi joining us. These are some of the most productive guys in the game. And if you've ever wondered about getting scripts on the blacklist or simply getting things made, these guys are about to drop some major, major knowledge bombs. So enjoy the interview. Freedom! So fresh, so new. Yeah, just go live, dude. We don't edit anything. <laughs> All right, so I'm here with Michael Vlamis and Joe Manconi. What's up, gentlemen? What's up, Tom? Hey, guys. Where did you guys originally sort of meet and converge? Oh, this is a, this is a fun story between the two of us. Okay. Yeah, you, you want to you help me out? Yeah, you jump in, man. You might need to help me out. All right, all right. <laughs> so uh, Joe's dad is friends with my sister's godfather, George Marigos. And my dad uh, ran into Joe's dad through George Marigost and at a party in Chicago, like a backyard barbecue or something. And, you know, big Gary Manconi, Joe Manconi's father, he, he says, hey, my son's out in L.A. And my dad goes, hey, my son's out in L.A. And they go, hey, you guys should meet. So Joe shot me an email. I iced him. Joe shot me another email. No, no, no. I didn't ice him. I didn't ice him. Call, I got, <laughs> not super. Well, you know how it is when that's what happens when, yeah, when yeah. someone People is chasing a dream. Yeah. When, when someone's like chasing something, you're out there focused. You meet so many people that are just saying they're out here doing it. Like, Oh yeah. Timmy moved out there too, but then he moves home in three months, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we were kind of just like, we were cordial and like being homies over, over email, but kind of back burner conversation. And then that Godfather came to town in LA and he was like, he was like, we're going to lunch. You're meeting the kid. So we went, and that's when I fell in love with Joe Manconi. Wow. And uh, he was just the man. We were at the Soul House. No big deal. It was like a and, Tuesday. Uh, I remember being like, oh, this is what like people who have made it do. Like, yeah. I just walked in. It was like a buffet. I was like, who yeah. is that? Jamie Foxx getting like crab legs and shit. Yeah. You know? I made it. Stuff, man. Tuesday. Yeah, so. Yeah, to be honest, Joe was just like one of the most self-deprecating human beings I had met, and he was hilarious. And he ended up uh, he ended up sharing a, a digital series that he made with another one of our uh, collaborators, Kyle Anderson. And I sent him something that I had made, and his shit was great. And I was like, man, this dude's cool. His stuff's good. Like we got to do something together, and uh, I don't know if Joe felt the same way about my digital series, but <laughs> well, let, well, let's pitch it to Joe. Uh, no, no, no. What's, what's the review? Oh, dude, it just came out. Look at you plugging already, dude. <laughs> Yo, this is my merch. It's sold out though. Sorry, dude, I'm wearing it too, man. We're waiting, for the, waiting for the next line, my friend. Yeah, he is wearing. Um, yeah, dude, it was just like that mutual. Tom, we've talked about this in the past. It was just like that mutual, you know, kind of respecting of like yo, I made something. And he was like, I made something. And we both watched it. And like, look, they're both like fun. They're, we're both aware of what they are. They're like lighthearted, like comedy, you know, digital series. But it was, you know, it was like, oh, this dude made something beginning to end. It was like his idea. He produced it and stuff. So I think we just like immediately, you know, just had that like mutual, mutual respect for each other. So yeah. but then honestly, not that shortly after <laughs> we kind of started, just all started hanging out. I was roommates with, with Kyle um, I went to, to college with him and we, we just started hanging out at the house where we, we all live now. But um, yeah, just pitching ideas back and forth. I think Kyle was like randomly pitching some idea and V like took note of it and stuff. And then that turned into, you know, a show that's, that's set up with the production company right now. So it's really funny how it all kind of like, you know, everybody started working together and stuff. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Now you guys are both from Chicago. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Both from Chicago. You didn't know each other in Chicago. No, no, no. I was but, uh, in the suburbs, so. Yeah, Joe's grandpa, though, owned a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Um, Roma's, right? Roma Restaurant, yeah. Roma Restaurant, an old school restaurant in Chicago, and my dad and my family was very familiar with that restaurant. So loosely connected in, in a, a certain way, but had never, you know, had never worked out. My roommate's in my room right now looking for the Roomba. Cause it went missing. It decided to run away. Oh yeah. <laughs> he can't, he can't find it. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's our latest addition to the house, the Roomba. I recommend it for all collaborators and creators. You don't have to vacuum. To thank our sponsor, Roomba. Huge <laughs> sponsor of the Powerade. Joe, when you were in Chicago, is that you were doing second city? Yeah? yeah. 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 
Started so in, where did that where did that begin? For sure. Yeah, I went to Indiana University for like two years. Um, after the first year, I was like, what am I doing, dude? Like my my brother, my dad's like a financial advisor. My brother did business. So I was just like, that's what you do. That's what people do. So I just like, you know, went to IU vaguely knowing like what I was going to do and stuff. I took a couple classes that were like related to entertainment and stuff. It was like marking up a script and I think we like storyboarded a few, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is like, even talking to people in the class, like, you know, in between periods, I would say something and somebody would say something about a movie. I'm like, you've seen that movie? Like, you know, there was, I was like, oh, there's other people that like this stuff too. Um, Cause I was in like a fraternity and stuff. And, you know, I've always felt like I've straddled that line of like, not bro enough for the bros, but like, I don't know if I'm arty, arty enough to be like with the artists and stuff. But so, yeah, it was just like immediately like clicked in and stuff. And um, I had a tough time like freshman year of college because I was very like outgoing and stuff in high school and all that. And then I was really like down. It was like, what am I like doing here? What do I want to do? So honestly, like movies and TV and stuff like that is what I, I turned to. So I kind of made this plan to go back to Columbia and Chicago and do Second City. So I did two years at IU, then went back. Um, went to Columbia for a semester. That was always like the plan to get my dad to be cool with it, but I knew I would drop out, um, which is what I did. And yeah, I did Second City for like two years, man. And I definitely like the first, I remember the first day I walked in, in there, I was like looking at the walls and stuff. It was like photos of like Jim Belushi and like Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? Like you just threw your life away. Like you just left college and stuff i remember like pacing around the block and just like almost started crying dude i just like was like what are you doing so you know of course i was like you got to go in dude just go in see what happens it was like a basic improv a class and um went in there and it was like honestly from that moment on it was like this is it for sure so um obviously i've shifted more since then to like you know more writing and directing but i was doing like improv and stuff and Kid's a great actor. He's a great oh, actor. Yeah, um, Never but yeah, he's got chops. He's got chops. I believe that's, it. Well, dude, I see, that's what I see with people that come through a lot of the improv programs: is insane writing ability and insane. They tell me how to write, dude. Tell me how to write. That's how I write. It's just like you know, improvising, two people talking and stuff. Yeah. That's the base of writing a, a scene. So yeah, that's really what. That's really like how I got there and stuff. And then after a few years. You know, I didn't have any ties there. I was like, nobody cares about me. Like, this is the time to go to LA. Like, I have no ties here. Obviously, like my family was super supportive and stuff. But um, yeah, I just I just got out and, and went for it. So right on. And Michael, how about you? What was the uh, what was the journey? My buddy actually called me the other day for my birthday and reminded me that we made our first short film together in third grade. So he had a you know I grew up around around a video camera because he had a brother that was eight years older. And he had a camera. That kid ended up going to film school later in life. But he put this camera in our hands. We made this dumb movie, Land of the Turtles, where I was just super fat, had a bowl cut, and would make dumb faces. But I fell in love with making movies. Like, that's what we did. Sleepovers, we made movies. On the weekend after school, it was, yo, let's make a movie today. And we would just, on the fly, make a movie, stop the camera, switch the next setup. Like, you know, it was just trash filmmaking, but it was great for starting. Same here, man. Same here. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so you know how it goes. Um, and so did that all throughout middle school. Anytime I had a class project, I would make, instead of like a speech or something like that, I would, I would figure out a way to make a movie. And then you get to high school, and I went to an all-boys like high school in Chicago where like everyone goes to like become a man and like win some kind of state championship. A lot of like overtly masculine energy and like kids trying to prove themselves. And, you know, I think if I punch someone in the face, like I'm cool, yeah. you know? So, so you're not acting at a school like that. You're not on the drama team. People yeah. were, that was not what I was doing. But then I, I went off to college, ended up in Orange County at Chapman University, which ended up being one of the best things that I could have done because they had a really good film school. And after, you know, a few years of realizing probably should hang up the cleats, um, I just went and I started auditioning for short films at the school. And you know how, like, when you start something, like, Joe, when you started at UCB, you probably, or Second City, you probably realized immediately you had a little success. Yeah, yeah. You, you were, you, were, you know, we don't want to. Quick, you had little, like, spurts. I almost feel like I, the first year I was just, like, getting better, better. And then after, like, a year, I, I was, like, wasn't getting, I felt like I wasn't getting better. <laughs> happening, like, I'm not 
there is something at the beginning, I think like anything that you start, you're but, learning. Stuff yeah. And that beginning, um, like validation, I feel like is almost necessary sometimes to, to go for something that's so ridiculous that, you know, nobody doing, you know, to drop out of school when that's what everybody in your family has done and your parents. And, you know, I didn't drop out. I stayed in school. I'd never changed my major from business. Oh God, me, but it's all right. No, dude. I mean, I fucking failed my class. <laughs> I mean, when I started acting, dude, I started auditioning. I, my first thing, I did a three-day like boxing movie, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I had a, I had a midterm on Monday, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll just like study on Sunday. I didn't know you were on set twelve hours. I didn't know that it was like that. I was just all I knew was making movies as a kid. So I went in, I gave it my all. You know, they gave me like an LA boxing membership for like a month, and I boxed in high school, so that came back and stuff. And then I went in and I bombed my midterms and I, I, but I was like, it doesn't matter. I figured out what I want to do. I want to act. And so I had a little bit of success first. Like I booked a lot of really cool projects at Chapman, built a good reel. And then, uh, yeah, just started pounding the pavement in LA, you know, just lying to people, making up names, tricking people into getting into rooms and you know, all that stuff. All the LA shit. Yeah. All that LA shit. That's right. Yeah. What do you guys say when people talk about <clears throat> sort of the necessity of living in LA or New York or one of the larger markets? What do you, what do you say to that? I think it's crucial early on. I would say for like setting your foundation, cause it's all, who, who do we work with? Yes. We work with people that we know and people that we, who have done it before successfully with us because not only do, can we trust them, but we have a good time doing it. So I think you build your base around those other people hungry and hustling. And then you can go Richard Linklater and go live in Austin and chill out and people know and respect you. And you have enough of a rapport that you could just make a call and get something done. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I do think the cool thing about now, obviously looking at like the positive other side of it, if you're not in LA, New York is like, you can do anything, right? Like anybody can pick up a phone and make a movie and stuff. These kids that are like figuring out Instagram, that's like, foreign to me i've never felt older when i watch that stuff but like you know people are able to like you know you don't have to be in this area but to michael's point i do think having like a sustained success and we kind of have this i think feeling happening with within our group right now is like us coming up together and stuff and everybody's super supportive and like v said we want to work with each other we want to bring new people in but like the core is you know, it's kind of the same people and there's respect, you know, they're going to do a good job, you know, they're there to like support you and stuff. And I think a lot of the problems, at least from what I've seen from some people getting out here is that like that chin up thing, you know, that people think they know better. They don't, they're not willing to, I was just like failing and like asking people stuff and trying to meet people. And, you know, I have seen some people that kind of think they have it all figured out and stuff, or they're going to try to take it on their own. Or some people just aren't lucky enough to find a good group of people and it's tough, man. You might get that like single win or like a quick spike. You might book that, you know, that thing or whatever. But to sustain, you really need, you know, you need people supporting you, man. You really do, especially like when things aren't going well, you know, which I'm happy to speak long about and V can speak about <laughs> a long time, like, you know, grinding it out sometimes, man. And you need those people that like understand that and appreciate, you know, the work you're putting in and stuff. So I was reading Mark Randolph's book, That Will Never Work. He's one of the founders of Netflix. He was the first oh, CEO. Man. And he talked about um, how important it is to make it easy for people to work for you. Like, mm. don't make it a pain in the ass to, to yeah. get a hold of you. How visible are you? Yeah. How easy are you to reach? Like, if you're truly in a space where you want to be collaborating and doing it with people that are going to elevate your game, you have to be visible to them. Yeah. And I think it's funny because a lot of people that talk about oh, you know, you don't need to live in LA or you don't need to live in New York. These are a lot of people that have lived in LA and New York and some of the larger right, right. and then gone off and done something else. And so to Michael's point, like it's super critical, I think, to have some time or some presence in one of the larger markets. But let's talk yeah. about the grind for a minute. Let's talk about times that it hasn't gone so well. Well, we, we, it was not going well longer than it's been going well, Yeah. you know? So, but yeah, man, I'm staring at, I'm staring at my, my closet right across from me. I put a little desk in there in like 2017 and I just, you know, I quit my job on St. Patty's day. I remember sitting at that, on, at that chair calling my boss. I was head of marketing for a watch company for a long time based out of San Francisco. And it was great because I got to work remote, never missed an audition, but you know, you're putting like six hours in a day. And then if, if shit hits the fan that night, you're the guy that 
people are reporting to and, and yeah. you got to fix it. So it's, it's more than a, you know, five to six hour a day job. It, it felt like a full-time job. So I quit then 2017, drove Uber every morning from 6am to 10am. And then I would, I would write all day, take meetings, audition, work out all the, you know, all the bullshit. And dude, it was just like, I literally threw my back out writing that year and I'm like kind of a masochist. And I was like, dude, you haven't sold shit. Like you're broke. Fucking back hurts. You can't stand up. You got to finish this script. And I finished my first feature. It's trash and no one should ever read it. Yeah. But, uh, I finished one and then, um, and then from there, dude, things just started, uh, writing wise started, started getting a lot better, but it, it, dude, it wasn't until I met the group of guys that like Joe and Kyle and, and, you know, I've always had Rourke as another roommate of ours, Spencer, but like all these dudes that we work with. Yeah. Spencer Waldner, of course, the kid Walds. Those guys like elevated me in a way that I had never been elevated before. It took me like four and a half years in LA to find my people. Mm. You know, I have a lot of people out here, but people that aren't only my people, but just I click with so much on a collaborative level. Like what Joe said about always feeling not bro enough for the bros you know, you were like too emotional for them or something, but like not artsy and hipstery enough for the East Siders or something, you know, like kind of in the middle. Like I remember being at commercial auditions early in my career and it, I would be going out for like, I'd be sitting in the middle of the room and on the left side of the room were a bunch of actors in like glasses and like button up shirts going out for a tech commercial. And then there's all these suave, like kind of douchey guys going out for like a Vegas commercial. And I remember sitting in the middle of the room and I was like, I could, I feel like I could do both. I don't belong anywhere. Like casting directors don't know what the hell to do with me. Yeah. You know? And, and I, I remember that specifically happening because I couldn't book a job for the longest time, but I had what Joe had that initial win. I booked my first audition out in LA, uh, a small role in new girl went on a date with Zoe Deschanel. I was like, yo dude, you're the man. This is so easy. Like you're going to crush it. Didn't yeah. book a job for like two years after that. Yeah. So, and, uh, and it was little wins, like finishing like runner up for like a lead role in Richard Linklater's film. Speaking of Linklater, everybody wants some, you know, like little things like that. I didn't get it, but I was like, okay, dude, you're, you're in play. And, you know, then got into a really good class and just a class that, you know, didn't like teach you how to act. Just, you just acted every Thursday. You did a two to four page scene and you just had to sh put up or shut up. And you, and I was horrible for a long time. And, I thought I was so good at, at, at that point in my life. And this teacher just ruined me to the point where like, I would wake up with so much anxiety on a Thursday morning, like afraid if I actually made the right choice, what I was doing with my life. Mm. And then one day, I don't know, I had a good scene and I, it, it just, things clicked, you know? And, and like, a, I don't know, something happened where I just started living the way that I live my life in person, where I do whatever I want, not afraid of anything. I started acting that way in my work. And then it was like, okay, he's being fully himself. He's being free. And that's when people started recognizing me a little bit more as an actor. But uh, I, dude, I was still poor during that time. And, and the Ubering, all that stuff was just, it was just tough, man. I Ubered this guy one time. And like a couple months later, I had acted in a, a digital series for Vice. That Vice partnered with Black Pills, which is another digital streaming company, to make uh, like a six episode mini series. And I was at like, it was kind of like right around the time that came out and I was at a party with all those guys that we made it with. And I'm super proud, like first dramatic role. I could sink my teeth into a little bit. Like I'm feeling good. Yeah. And this like loud dude walks in the party and he's like, Oh shit. There's my Uber driver. No. And said it, bro, like, yeah. And I was like, damn, that's, that's it though. That's what I'm doing right now. That's what I'm doing. Um, but then yeah, shortly after, after meeting Joe, after like, you know, that year of really struggling, Dude wrote an amazing movie for me to star in called Five Years Apart. And uh, he sent it to me and I read it and I was like, man, this is the coolest thing I've read in a long time. And this is a character I need to play. And uh, from there, dude, the hustle turned on to get that movie made. Okay. And that turned on in a big way. I mean, I remember Joe like didn't even come to, we threw like a huge house party one night and he was like, nah, dog, I got to like, I got to work on the script. And I was like, yeah. dude, just come over to the party. And he was like, no, he's right go. down the street. He could have walked yeah. over. He didn't go, but we got yeah. the movie made. The movie went, um, yeah, <laughs> but that's a whole, that's a whole nother story. And like, 
in breaking down what it took to take to get that movie. But I, you know, I'll let Joe talk about yeah, his let's, grind let's a little bit. Joe. So Joe, what was your, what yeah. was the moment? Like, give us the scenario, but also kind of like, as Michael put it, a moment that you maybe realized that you were gaining some momentum. Yeah. Um, I think at the time, the thing was, I think sometimes it comes out of, to V's point about like being a masochist. I don't know if I'm full masochist, but like I sometimes do need to like go through the shit a little bit to like, wake up like I do have that problem of like letting myself like get off track or won't be writing whatever um and it was stuff I've had a couple of those periods in LA where I just like you know it was just especially when I was younger you know I'm 27 now but like 22 23 you're going out and stuff you're like this is LA it's just sweet like I'm gonna bump <laughs> and pull the retro to bar and like get set up and like it's just not how it works obviously so even like before the web series I made which was doing so small and so not important to other people but like it was very important to me and Kyle who I made it with it was but it came out of like dude we got to do something we got to like you know those put up or shut up moments of like I don't want to be that person that just like talks about like, this is what I want to do with my life. So like, what are actionable steps that I can take to do that? So, um, you know, to, I think up to the place to start would be with five years apart was like, I was a manny at the time. I worked for a family with four boys, dude. It was like intense job, you know, like 30, 40, 40 hours a week. These four boys, like I was like the LeBron James of nannying, dude. I would be carrying like, the little one sleeping with like the other four and their friend and moms would be like coming up to me, giving me their card. Like, do you have any other free time? Like, dude, I was like, you know, it was a grind for sure, dude. I was doing that. And then they went to Israel for like a summer break thing for like a month. So I was like, I have this time. I need to write this script. I had a loose, I think it was like two brothers outline is like what I had written down at the time. And so, yeah, I just started, my writing partner, Zach Krause, who's the best and wrote a script. That's going to be our, our next movie that, that me and our Michael are, are working on right now. Um, he just like, he was again, one of those people that it was friend of a friend. He overheard me at a party and then like texted me like a week later and was like, I'll PA on that movie. I'll do whatever, you know, it's another one of those dudes that was like down for the hustle. Yeah. Um, which, you know, he, he was PA for work, but dude's like an incredible writer and stuff. So, um, you know, we got together and it, it was at the same time that me and V were like starting to hang out and stuff. And as we were kind of writing this character, I was like, oh, Michael would be like perfect for this, I think, and able to kind of like write it around him. And so I said, when I sent him the script, I'm sure you guys are both familiar with that. Anybody who's listening to this that writes, like you send it out and you know, it's that like, they're not reading this and like, you know, you're like back in two weeks and they're like, yo, good job or whatever. So I'd sent it to him and didn't hear anything for like a week. And I went over, you know, for, I forgot we were doing some like hanging out at the house and V like pulled me aside and was like, dude, I read it. It's fucking great. We got to make it. And I was like, Oh, you read it? Like, <laughs> like, I was like, just pumped to get a read, dude. I think, you know, the other thing to take from this too is like having realistic, like goal, like being aware of yourself, you know, and, and where you are in your life. Like, I didn't have this like, dude, we're going to like make something and it's going to like win Sundance and, I was like, dude, I need to write something, A, and then I need to, like, have a sample to, like, show people and see what happens, whatever. We're going to make this with our friends for, like, $10,000. You know, that was, like, the mindset going in. So yeah, I sent it to V, and then, like, you know, it was one of those, like, little connection for me. It was, like, one producer first being, like, this is great. Who needed a movie? He came from, like, Digital World, Adam Maffei. Shout out Adam Maffei, who's, like, a beast now, and he's doing, you know, five, six indie movies a year. But, like you know, he needed his thing. Like we had people that like needed that were hungry for like, you know, this thing. And, um, you know, it was a big deal for us. It was a huge swing as a movie, but you know, we aimed small, it was a very small movie. And so, you know, it's just this small family of people like helping put it together. But that grind that Michael's talking about is like, you know, not having money, like me and him eating protein bars in the way, like in between meetings and stuff, dude, like, you know, Michael had like, we could be honest. I think like Michael had a solo membership and was like, you know, in that stage was like, bro, I could lose this. Like, I don't have any money. Like that's when he was Ubering and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. but we're still going there, like eating protein bars out of our bag and stuff. And like <laughs> taking meetings. Dude, and that stuff. is so real though. Yeah. Dude, it's just, so like, real, bro. Yeah, so just, real. Like, not because we like thought it was cool to go. It was just like, we're just hustling, dude. We'd go there and like, we work. just wanted to be in the action. We wanted to, you know, yeah. we've had a lot of good run-ins with people there. Um, people taking it who ended up panning out later down the road. And I think a big thing when it comes to the grind is like, you know, and I've gone through it before too, where you feel like everything you're doing isn't working, 
but it's not about what you're doing now to pay off tomorrow. It's about what you're doing now to pay off in five years, 10 years, 20 years. I think about that. That is how I live my life. I'm nice to this person right now. Maybe they're going to be good to me in 30 years. And I'm literally taught when I say I'm, I believe in that, you know, because I'm not going anywhere. Joe's not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And when you know that you're going to be here forever, then it's no longer like the little wins. It's, it's, it's just staying true to yourself and working hard and just building this foundation. And so the first producer, shout out Emma Elizabeth Hughes. She did Short Term 12, Seven Days in Hell. Like she's a beast, dude. Yeah, Yeah, she's a beast. And she went to chat. Yeah, she went to Chapman's film school where I went to school, but I was in the business program. But I still like years ago, I just went through everybody who's crushing it and went to Chapman. And I found her on Facebook and I messaged her and I was like, hey, I went to Chapman's film school too, even though I didn't. And I was like, I'd love to, you know, get together with you if you'd be open to that. And she, she was. So I met with her years ago. And then every year after that, I sent her one script for like four years. And the fourth year I sent her five years apart and she loved it. And we met up and that's, that was another thing where we were like, yo, we got something. That was it. I mean, doing, that was like, yeah. I would that for that. I was like, short term 12 is something I like and respect. And this person worked on it. She read our thing and was like interested in doing it like that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was like, cool. That's like, what that's what I needed. Yeah. From this that's it. And, and like, she lent us, she lent us her name and we, yeah. we totally yeah, took advantage of that. She, was, she like got this huge job like right at the same time. So she unfortunately couldn't do it, but yeah, she helped with like, you know, opening up some doors for us and stuff. Yeah. So what do you guys do? Um, Because I think the real, one of the really interesting things about what you guys are doing as a, as a group, as collaborators is that you guys all have very unique abilities in in the performance sector and the writing sector, but you really have a, a enough of a business sense that you guys are producers as well. You guys are bringing your own sort of expertise to that side of the of the projects you're touching. What what do you guys do to keep each other accountable? Man, I I will say fortunately we we don't drop the ball that often. And if we are dropping the ball, we'll just be like, "Yo, dog, why didn't you do that?" You know, like there's no yeah. we're not uh, we're, we're best friends, dude. So it's like we just we just talk shit on each other twenty four seven, and we just pump each other up and hype each other. And then like work together, but we all live together too. Um, so when you're living together, you automatically have to be accountable, kind of, you know, because yeah. you're seeing this person, you're like, well, what are you doing right now? And they're like, what are you doing? It's like, well, should we just play Super Smash Brothers instead? But then we should get some work done. <laughs> um, After Smash Bros. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I think we, I think it's easy for us to hold each other accountable because we're having such a good time doing this. I know what Michael's like capable of doing. You know, I know what Kyle's capable of doing. So it's very easy to like, like Michael saying, when we're like ribbing each other, it's the same way you would with like your family. You know, it's like, it's because we like love that person and know that they're like, you know, awesome and stuff. So like, you know, and I think to your producing thing, it's, I think it probably, Michael, I think you probably feel the same way, but like out of necessity at first was like, I got to make my own stuff happen. But within that, I have the personality of like, yeah, I just made a movie. I'm going to learn the things I did wrong, which was a lot. And like, yeah. you know, how do I fix that and where, and I want to know what to sell, you know, we're doing distribution, all that stuff right now. Like, what does that actually look like? What are realistic numbers? Like, what did we not do that put us in a position for deliverables when we have to give all these, you know, all these things are, you know, like you, you fall on your face, you do it, you know, there was yeah. that movie. I'm we're both so extremely proud of. And like, I love that movie. Um, but also like mistakes from all those things, things are, you know, mistakes are made and you learn from it. And, um, you know, I think it's just the holding accountable is producing side for sure. But, you know, I think having that little business thing, at least for me too, of like my background and my dad always like, you know, you're an entrepreneur. What I always say to people, you know, friends and stuff is like, you're a product, right? Like yours, your IP, if you're a writer is what makes you value. Your ideas are literally like, you know, the same way a dentist, that's what he does to make money. Like your script, your ideas is literally, you know, your business. So there, you has to be a balance. Um, and this goes back to like the super artsy or the business, like to sustain, you do need to at least be aware. You should be sacrificing creative, but you should be aware of like the size of stuff, what it takes to get done. Like learn those, just read it, ask people like be nice, just be a good, 
you know, be a good person, be a good dude, you know? So. Dude, I would, I would say too, that one thing that we're really good at, whether we write them down or what, we set goals and we set deadlines. Uh, we do that a lot. So like we might fuck off the entire week, but I know that like, damn, I told Joe I'd get him this thing by Friday. It looks like I'm going to be up all night or something like that, you know, or like I have to make this call now. Um, we are very good about like, Hey, okay. Like by this time, let's do this. Or, you know, just, just, we, we just stay on each other because we, we like it. And it's easy when you have a common goal, which I think a common goal for everybody in our house and that we work with is that we want to be doing what we're doing now at like the highest level, have like the red hour, which is Ben Stiller's company or point Graves, Seth Rogen's company or, you know, whoever we want to be like a studio uh, or a production company that has a partnership with a studio. And, and just, if we have an idea, we want to see it through with no gatekeepers, which, yeah. you know, sounds a little dangerous, but uh, we just want to do whatever we want to do. Yes. And you can't get there unless you do, you put, you pay your dues now. And we all understand that. Yeah. Well, dude, I, but I think that's a really important uh, point though, because I think so many people talk about, I just want to make what I want to make, you know, like that's our priority. We want to do, and a lot of commercial direct, I mean, my experience in commercials was um, I basically walked away from that life because I was like, I want to make original stuff. I want to make my own stuff. And that was where I realized that I actually needed to, add the skill of being able to exist in executive conversations, not just creative conversations. Can I actually represent myself in a, sure. in a business sense? How do you answer people who say, you know, I just want to make what I want to make? Well, I think even to kind of what you were saying and to like finish off that thought, Dom is like something I think you do very well that we talk about too, is like making yourself more valuable, right? It goes hand in hand with the like, the producing stuff but like how do you give yourself a better chance to succeed like write keep if you're a writer like write write four or five scripts write a bad script like michael was saying that it was pretty good then like take notes actually get you need to get notes you need to put them in like you have to actually do those things um and you know and the producing all that stuff like it gives yourself, it gives you more chances to succeed. If you can produce, you can also write. You, I'm sure you know that from digital space of like somebody who can shoot and also like, that's something I like, you know, want to get better at is knowing how to actually like cam up and then edit it. And so you're doing all these brand things and stuff. Like it just makes you more valuable and gives you a chance for more income and stuff. And it is a business ultimately. And we, you know, like Michael said, want to be doing this for 50 years. So how do you give yourself that, you know, that opportunity? I think it's really important. You know, people have sort of a very nostalgic vision for what a career in entertainment mm. looks like. Yeah. And it's like, it's a different thing now. Like we have to remain adaptable to the fact that digital and streaming and just the sheer amounts of content and the different formats of content, like anything goes now. And you have to be able to uh, either accept the fact that, you know, doing one movie a year, is first off, you know, it's difficult to get to that point where you're consistently yeah. doing it. But once you're there, like the living that you're making off one movie a year is not the same as it was when there were 30 directors. Right. Three million of us trying to do this they, all in the same yeah, place. They think as you made, like the size of the movie, Michael, and I made mean, is like, you know, it's so small. It's like ultra low budget. It's like people back home thinking like, you did it, you made it. I'm like, dude, I worked on the movie for like two or three years, you know, yeah. the flat fee I got for it was not like, you know, obviously I'm happy to do it as my, you know, as getting my, my vision done and stuff. So um, yeah, your point of making, your question of making, you know, what you want, I think, I don't know, Mike, do you have a good answer for that of like? I think you gotta, I think you should make whatever you want, yes, but you have to be realistic with yourself. Yeah. You know, you, you have to, well, okay, if you're going to make something you want, you have to make it within your means. If you're actually going to go make it, right? Yeah. You can't be like shooting for the moon on something that you're never going to get or screw me and shoot for the moon and go make it happen. I don't know. I just think that you have to be realistic with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but you should for sure write what you want to see. I mean, like me and yeah. Kyle, we have scripts that we have a script that we love that I don't nobody like people are just starting to pay a little attention to it you know the old lady comedy joe like okay. like people are just starting to like it a little bit but like i would love to see old ladies getting fucked up playing like fuck mary kill and talk about babe ruth and sammy davis jr and like i want to see that so i did that was that a good idea to write that script i don't know dude 
but it, it led towards other scripts and more collaboration with my writing partner and just finding your voice. So I think you should do whatever you want to do as long as you, you know, you're not hurting people. It's not like it's, it's not immoral or something, but yeah, just do whatever you want to do. Cause you're unique to everyone else. No one else is going to do exactly what you want to do because they don't want to do what you want to do. Well, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I think to pick on that's something I will say is I think, Something and I definitely did at the beginning a lot, and I still feel like I'm at the beginning. But you know, it was like looking at when I first got out here is like imitation, right? Of like this thing worked, right? The movie Searching that was all on screens, and then for that year, everybody's writing a script that's all on like no, for that director, it made sense. He made like Google commercials that were on screen that was like true to him. Like if your intention is I want to make something that I think is, if Michael likes the joke, Kyle likes the joke, I like it. It's funny. It's funny to us. Like we're going to do it. And you know, it's like, that's, I think that's a big, I think mistake that some people make is like being too spongy in terms of like, and I look, I'm, I I do it all the time. You see something like, Oh, that was dope. Like I want to make movies like that or this. It's hard to like keep yourself just centered. Of course you get inspiration from, from everybody. But I think asking yourself why, like, why do I want to make this? Like, you know, it's not because I think it'll so like sneak into like Tribeca or something. It's like, no, what's like a story that I care about that's cool, what makes me unique? You know, we have all these different things of like our upbringing. People don't know Dom's got three brothers from Ghana, like things like that is like, dude, that's who you are. That's what like makes you who you are and stuff. And so I think, you know, I think that's important to like to press is like, you are good enough, you know? And if you're not at first, you'll, you know, you keep, you keep mining it, dude. You keep writing bad stuff. You make bad stuff. You keep, that is to another thing we were talking about of making what you want. I think, you know, back in the day, like people think that like the great, the greats were great all the time. Right. Because they didn't have this Instagram. They didn't see me put out a digital series that was like, okay, at best and build and build. You know what I mean? They're seeing us like in law school. They're seeing me in law school right now. Right. They're seeing me like, learn and fail a test and then like do a practice run. And it's a weird thing that like, because of the digital and the like uh, people seeing it right now and the success and what, you know, those Instagram people, boom, it's there. And it's, they think that that has to happen. And, you know, like I'm cool knowing that like my movie was like a tiny little thing to the world, but like, you know, that's okay. Like I got one thing done and it's to get to the next thing. I'm going to get better. Like, don't think that you need to make, you know, moonlight out of the shoot. Like, get there, you know, like that's yeah. what I want to get, you know, in 10 years. So I'm learning everything, dude, every day you're learning stuff. So, and I think it is like people say it all the time, but you still have trouble with it. But now I feel like we're in a good place where we're not comparing ourselves to other people. You know, I, I wasted so many hours looking at actors resumes and like, Oh, Miles Teller did this at this age. Like, what am I doing? It's like, dude, I don't know when that dude started acting. I don't know what, privilege he had you know or like you don't know anything about anybody but yourself and why spend energy worrying about where other people are or or this idea that like by the age of 27 or 30 you know like I always thought by the 25 I'm gonna be a movie star that's what I thought my senior year of college when I was 21 what an idiot dude Uh and then I realized and then I just realized that like dude time isn't even a thing I'm 30 this, I turned 30 last week. I, I feel the youngest I've ever felt because I'm doing everything I want to do with my life. There is no ticking clock anymore. But for my first five years in LA, when I was really struggling, I thought that there was a ticking clock and every day I was losing time to the wayside. And it wasn't even the success of the show I'm on now that did that. It was heartbreak. Heartbreak reshifted my priorities and made me realize that this is just work. This is just something that we love to do. And it's a hobby that we make work for our living, how you treat people, giving back. Like when you start focusing on all that stuff, it, 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 it makes you more ballsy to go make that call or to go send a self tape in an audition that they won't even give you because that shit doesn't matter. Right. Nothing fucking matters. Obviously it does, but the weight that we put on stuff, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want to do and be a good person doing it. And, and don't compare yourself because nobody else is like us. You always stand in the house, keep your head down. That's like, stop looking at people. You know, it goes to the like trying to imitate other stuff. Just keep your head no. down. Like, do the work. Talk to me when we, we always say that. Like, we, yeah, we're hard on each other on that stuff. It's like, write the script and then give it to me. Like, don't go like 
you know, bragging about some idea you have. Everybody's got an idea, you know, right. like, like a plan of like, dude, I want to give it to this person, you know, work on those kind of just be again, be a good person. Like Michael's saying, just be a good person, have a little perspective of like, it's an art form. So I think we, everybody gets wrapped up in it and stuff, but like, it is just a job. It's not that big of a deal to other people. We love it. It means everything to us in the moment and stuff, but keep your perspective, keep, you know, balance is something I think V and I are both terrible at that. I'm like, horrible, horrible. you know, I'm trying to find balance, other hobbies and like, and the comparing, dude, I, I'm still, I still go through that, dude, even with myself. Like, it's, that's more of it, what it is for me is like, I'm more, what Michael's saying of like, dude, how did you not get this done yet? How did you not write this? Like, oh, money's tight this month again, because you didn't like, you know, go reach out to that, you know, that digital person who got you the brand job. Those things, like, you know, it's easy for me to say, like, don't do that stuff. But like, I do that all the time. So I always fall back into that stuff. Like, it's constant work to make sure that you're, you know, what's next, everybody? What's next? What's next? Just focus, relax, focus on what you're doing right now and make that one thing you're doing, you know, be all you're focused on right now. Well, it's so important, though, all the things you guys just mentioned, which, by the way, that was like an epic uh, highlight reel of best practices. Love that. <laughs> I can't wait to see that clip on YouTube, on, uh, YouTube dude. Yeah, now it lives on YouTube forever, man. No, but it's Hell important yeah. because, um, yeah, nobody knows what you know. Nobody's experienced the things you've experienced in the morning. Nobody knows what they're doing. I have no clue. You know, we're just all stumbling through life, figuring it out. It's all of our first go arounds. Maybe, who knows? Actually, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it feels like it's my yeah. first time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to have a healthy relationship with stoicism to a degree that, like, it means everything to you because of what you make it mean. That doesn't mean you need to project your values onto other people. You you can just express yourself honestly. But when you're doing that, you don't have to justify what the fuck you're doing all the time. You know, when you're, when you're really speaking from a place of honesty and vulnerability, what comes out is truth. What comes out is just who you are. And so you don't need to apologize for it or find a way to make it work. It means what it means to you. But that's the only, that's really the only way to stand out. It's the only way to say something distinct. Definitely. You're doing, it, you're doing it for yourself and for your buddies. And I mean, just if you make yourself happy with what you're doing, your outcome and your, your outlook on life, everything else will fall into place. You know, yeah. just do what you want to be doing. If you're sad that you don't have a script written, then write the script. We, we are, we're tough on each other though. Cause we always just say kind of just get it done. Yeah. Just get it done. And I get it. Like, you know, we, we have, privilege that we were even able to come from families that put us in college and and you know I ended up at a business school but at a great film school you know like in LA like super privileged super lucky to be where you're at and a lot of people don't have the resources and the opportunities that we had um but I still think that there's somewhere no matter where you're from and what you're doing to to yeah to to at least like embark on the journey of your dream you know um I mean, that, that's tough to say when there are certain people in certain countries that, you know, seem to not even have a shot, but I don't know, man. I never like to think that I don't have a shot at something. Yeah. And I hope, I want people to feel that way, even if they don't have a shot. I think it's important that you have to feel a piece of that, at least for a little while. I think naivete is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Sure. I think it sets you up for success. You got to be a little ignorant to think you can write a script or direct a movie like why are you the person that do you know I ask myself that a lot I'm like you know I feel like a pretty like kind and soft spoken person at times but like what is that that's like that fire in me that's like I'm the guy to do this and I'm going to tell you how this needs to be shot and you're going to listen to me you know like where does that come from you know I think that's all I always have that conversation myself a lot which is super interesting because I don't know the answer to that but um, you know, you have to have a little bit of ignorance to think like, are we going to try to shoot this movie in 13 days and it's going to be good? Like you're telling people you're committing to it and going, it's going to be great. But like in your head, like, is it going to be great? Like, you know, so you do need to have a little bit of that too. Dude. You got to take the swing. Otherwise, like, again, you just, you never do. You never do. No, dude. Well, one of my, one of my producing partners is a guy named Spencer Proffer and uh shout out to Spencer for he's, he's supported, um, he supported our, some of our projects in some really uh, interesting ways. He's a old school music 
producer. You know, it was pretty, he produced like some classic records like uh, Acid Queen, Tina Turner. You know, he's, he's sick. He comes from, yeah. And Spencer, the advice that he's given me and the project that we're working on together is pay your bills and chase the thing that gives you goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Like that's when it comes down to it, like that's what we're doing out here, you know, and yeah. whether you pay the bills with uh, side hustling and driving Uber or you pay your bills through digital branded gigs while you're working on original shit. Like, dude, it's part of the same journey. Don't judge sure. yourself. Do your best. Right. You got because you're perfect exactly the way you are and you can do better, too. Yeah, 100 percent. I like that quote a lot. That quote gave me goosebumps. That's Aubrey Marcus, my man. No, I just think I'm just thinking that's a great quote, dude. I love What's that. that? The great quote. What's up, dude? Hundred. <laughs> the great quote, dude. Um, got a quote wall behind you, Joe. You gonna? You got some other quotes? No, up dude. It's my girlfriend's place. Relax. Oh, okay, okay. Here, I'll send it to you on a postcard. You can put it up there. Okay, I got it. Uh, yeah. Send <laughs> it up. Uh, yeah. In it. God, I have the most. I have the most obnoxious poster in my closet. It used to be in my bedroom, and then as I got older, I was like, I don't need to be. I, I elevated from this poster. But it literally, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but like the first few sentences are believe in your fucking self, stay up all fucking night, work outside of your fucking habits, know when to fucking speak up, fucking collaborate. And it's all sentences like that. It's like way too aggressive, way too like I needed it at the time that I had it, you know? But like that was, that's when nobody's believing in you and you're barely believing in yourself. Burning the midnight oil, dude, like writing your next project or, you know, just going for it. and and. Yeah, I don't know how to create that fire in someone. I, I think you have to just kind of have a piece of yeah. it there. But yeah, I think there are just no, there's no rules. Yeah. There's no rules. You can do anything you want. Yeah. Well, I think you need people around you too, right? To tell you when something's not good or this is working. Like all this being said, like you got to have a little bit of like a nugget of, let me be clear. Yeah, Michael, I mean, you got to be talented. Michael's an exceptional actor. Like, <laughs> you need to have like. I wasn't though. I wasn't sure. though. But I'm just saying. That's the God honest truth. You need people to like, like that teacher who like broke you down. Like you do need those checks. If you just have everybody saying yes to you and like patting you on the back, like that's not, that's not going to be good either. It's not that you need to be broken down, but like you need to learn how to take criticism and stuff. And you know, the, the point you made about like other people not having opportunities. Like, I think that's something we've always, I know it's going to make people like roll their eyes, but it's something that we've talked about of like down the road. Like I would love to be in that position where we do have our production company and we can find that person that like is working three jobs and wrote this script. And it's like a voice that we don't hear a lot and we read it. Cause we know like the, you know what the hustle and stuff that this person's taking and you're not reading it because of like, they had this script that sold or whatever you're reading it. Cause it's like a good script and you're being a good person and like taking a shot on somebody like so many people just threw our stuff in the trash and wouldn't even look at us because like, what have you done? What are your credits and stuff? It's like, how about finding the next people that are like coming up, you know? And maybe I won't always feel like that. Maybe it's because we're kind of in that spot right now. I feel like we're coming up and stuff, but I don't know. I think like people got to, you got to take chances on people too, you know? That's one of the things that I love Los Angeles. I love Hollywood and I love like even people here in New York, like on wall street and in more executive positions. It's like, they have always told me the truth and I haven't always agreed, but Hollywood, uh, mm. Hollywood has always told me when something sucked and mm. nine times out of 10, they were right. And so I had to go make things better. And then when they were made better, then they worked. Then something mm-hmm. happened because the idea was better, you know, and Hollywood doesn't lie to you. And I think, um, not in that way, you know, I think people, you know, LA can get a bad rap for that kind of stuff. Sometimes people talk about, all their broken dreams. It's like, well, you know, you, you can, you can improve it. I've got a lot of improvement to go. <laughs> yeah. We all do, That's, man. Michael, you bet you're one of the, the Roswell CW darlings. What was it like getting into that experience and kind of where are you with that now with what you're looking at doing in trajectory? Well, I mean, getting into it, like obviously it changed my life. Uh, I was able to stop driving Uber I was able to act full time. I mean, six months a year, every year, I'm acting every day, Um, you know, aside from the weekends. Sometimes we work on the weekends too. But to be on set that often, and I mean, I'm on set not only as an actor, but as a producer, writer, director. I mean, I want to wear all the hats eventually, right? So 
I'm paying attention. I'm just learning so much and just always exercising my craft. So it's, it's unbelievable, unbelievable learning ground too. And with like different guest stars coming in and different people's approaches to acting. And, you know, I got some stories that maybe I shouldn't share. I probably won't right now, but like certain people come in and they just have a different style than you. And then they look at you and they're like, Oh, you're one of those actors. And I'm like, yeah, I make it real. You know, like that's what, that's what we're doing here. Right. So it, it's fun to see like, cause, cause you're not going to work with people the same as you all the time. So the fact that I get to be on set so often and, and for so long, I, I get to really test the waters with what my, who I am as an actor, as a performer and what my voice is. Um, and so, yeah, it gives me six months off where I get to do anything I want to do. I could do nothing if I want to do it. And that is an unbelievable feeling uh, that, you know, worked very hard to get to. And I definitely don't take it for granted, but it's allowing, it's allowing me to, to just write and, and try to make another movie with Joe this summer, which obviously is probably going to get pushed back, but, and there's just a weight off your shoulders. You don't, I don't have to survive anymore. I just get to create as douchey as that sounds like, I get to do whatever the hell I want because of a CW show that I never thought I was even handsome enough to be on. You know, I'm talking like the night before the audition, I was hammered in my bed and there's a Snapchat save from that night of me being like with a stupid face, like one of those animated faces or whatever. And I was like, Oh, I was a hammer. I was like, Mikey's got an audition for the CW tomorrow. Mikey never thought he was pretty enough for the CW. Like that's saved in my phone drunkenly after Mel's at four in the morning. But, if people are going to hear that and they're going to be like, Oh, how immature he was hammered before his audition. Like, no dude, I couldn't even get an audition for my show. They said I was a comedy actor. They said he has no business being in a drama. So Joe and our other roommate Spencer, we shot right against that wall right there. We shot a self tape of Roswell. We sent it in at eight 30 PM at nine 30. I got a call. They want to audition you in the morning. Well at nine 30, I was already out and I was reeling from that breakup and my priorities were different. And normally I would have gone home and I would have listened to the industry and I would have listened to my manager who said, go get a good night's sleep. This is a great opportunity for you. Instead, it was like, no, no, no. You called me at 930. I'm out with my friends right now celebrating. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. And then I'll show up to your audition. And that's what I did, dude. And I finally booked something. So as soon as I started living for me, not following rules, doing whatever the hell I wanted to do, it, it all worked out, you know? And it's just, it's just, been like a domino effect of 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 good energy dude and good people and yeah man i feel very lucky dude i'm very you know put the work in all that i never believed in luck for so long because i was just out i thought i was outworking everybody whatever that means you know i'm not saying i did outwork everybody but when it comes down to it sometimes you gotta believe that you're outworking and you gotta have a little bit of chip to actually be going for it um but dude, now after a little bit of success, it's like, dude, you got lucky. Now when I'm back in town and I'm auditioning, it's like, I can't believe I booked something. I don't book anything in my off season unless we're making it. And yeah. I think I'm a pretty good actor and I'm not booking anything. So I got very lucky. The things all aligned, but we set ourselves up for that. Yeah. And I want to get to the, uh, the blacklist in a minute, but Joe, let's talk for a minute about five years apart. Cause I know you guys are coming up on some distribution, some exhibition, I don't know. My reaction was kind of to laugh because bringing it full circle to Michael's point, I was like, I just made something with my friends. And during the process, you're like, yeah, we got to make it. Then we'll like do a festival and we got to like sell it. But to actually have somebody in New Zealand be like, yeah, we want to cut you a check for this. I'm like, why? Like I made this with my friends and like, this is so silly. Um, but yeah, dude, it's been, obviously it was such a long, it, ours was like the fast version of it happening. And it's still, you're talking like close to three years. So, you know, we were kind of hitting this mark of like, I wrote it at the end of the summer in 2017, we shot it summer 2018, premiered a festival summer 2019. And now like, hopefully we're, the plan was, was a July release. I don't want to speak too much on distribution because there's still like deciding which, who to go with and stuff for us distribution. But which is also crazy by the way, because something we've talked about too is like, we've never had an option during this whole process of like two people want to do it. It's always like that one. Yes. And that's all it takes. You know, one person being like, yeah, we'll do it. So yeah, dude, it was, you know, it's too long to go through the whole thing, but it was just that slow snowball effect of like giving it to a few people. We got those reads like, Oh cool. Like a few people read it. 
Michael's a real actor. He's with CAA. Like, that's cool. He liked the script. Like, a few people coming on board. Then we had, a, you know, met a couple other people and Ali Maki, Chloe Bat. Like, the cast is ridiculous. It's like something that I, still this day, it's just, it's just an awesome group of people. Everybody was on like a TV show at the time. And Michael was kind of like the fresh, you know, the, the fresh face. And we had an amazing comedian, Craig Lowe, Australian comedian. Um, shout out to Craig because he's, the best dude. And, uh, so yeah, it was just like a fun, you know, fun group of people like working hard though, dude, you know, like straining. It was definitely like difficult, dude. It was difficult. I mean, I felt like every day I was losing like five years of my life. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we put like to Michael said, like you get lucky things work out, but like we also like, you know, was bending myself backwards to get that thing made dude. And just like, you know, it, it gets to a point where you get enough people on board to get like a producer whatever, a little bit of money. And it's like, you know, going back to what I said of like, just, I don't want to be the guy that like talked about, you know, or the girl who talked about like making that movie, like, let's make it, let's figure out how to make it. It might not be the best, biggest budget version, but like, what is the version of the script that we can execute this still? And, you know, had those conversations with our producer and it was just a small enough group of people that were like really, you know, energized about doing it. And like I said, we shot in 13 days. It was gnarly. Um, long days. I mean, you know, I was putting like 18 hours a day into that thing. And so, you know, you survive, you come out the other end and then, you know, the whole other, each thing was a different process, right? Pre-production, shooting it with people, I don't know, to normal people at home that are just like watching stuff. Like that's actually like the shortest time with something, right? Is like the shoot. And then it's months and months of like post-production and editing and figuring out how to like and each stage I had the panic of like, oh, this is about to fall through or like, I'm terrible at this. Like there were days I would come out of the editing bay on a Monday. I would be like, dude, you're the man. You made a movie. Like, this is so cool. I'd come out on Tuesday and be like, you're a loser. Like this movie, <laughs> so bad. It doesn't matter. Like, what are you talking about? Get a grip, you know? So it does that to you mentally for sure. Um, you know, and you feel the wet put again, a lot of the pressure on you put the weight on too of like, all these great actors like took a chance to be in this, like people put money into this, all the crew showed up and is working hard. Like, you know, you put the weight, it's impossible to not like put that weight on yourself. But, um, you know, we just kind of stayed at it, man. It's just a small, lot of people doing favors and stuff. Like, again, we're a blimp in terms of like movies and stuff. We're so small, but to us, it was like so cool to have the fact that we're going to get distributed, you know, domestically and internationally like, that's so cool to me man it doesn't have to be like you know we didn't land like the best district whatever like it doesn't matter we're we're just happy to be here dude you know i'm happy to get a movie and i want to go make another one dude because that stuff on set that michael's talking about that is like that's the juice for sure that's like the most fun dude that's when you're in it and like we're running out of time we got to cut this line what is it this joke isn't working like do this like those are you know those are the moments and stuff and then i really enjoyed the post process for sure too i think editing you know you change you change the script you change what you shot the way you cut stuff and you know save moments recreate moments make moments better like that's that was really cool to me and then you know seeing that like oh this is a complete thing beginning to end this makes sense this is a whole like all the actors are amazing in it um so it's just like it's a really cool thing and um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that it's, it feels like such a long time and you almost get past it. Right. Like I look at the movie now and I'm like, Oh, I learned from like, you know, this flaw, this thing, like, I know I would do this differently. You know, you're almost like, I'm not noticing that even when people go to like film festivals or the movie comes out that filmmakers already. So like, you know, three or four years down the line, they've gotten better and stuff. So I think you're just itching to like, go oh, do it again. Right. Tell a bigger story that has more weight. That's, you know, this movie Michael mentioned um, that Zach, Zach Krause wrote, who was my writing partner on Five Years Apart, wrote a great script in small town Wisconsin. It deals with poverty and like sexism and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, it's so small contained movie, but it has a much bigger, you know, you take bites. Like you said, you build, you know, we made this small Five Years Apart is like a small indie family, like comedy drama. It's a sweet, you throw it on on a Saturday, it's hour 20. Like, you know, that was the goal. And, you know, I think we, we hit that. So, um, yeah, then you come out of it and I definitely went through, I think I got a little depressed after about like, I think just putting that much into one thing and that's your like identity. 
yeah. and then you come out and you're like, what's, you know, what's next? What am I going to do next and stuff? So it took me a few months to figure that out. Um, you know, cause then you're right back. It's like, well, I got to pay bills, but like, what's my next career move and stuff. And for the first time legitimate people are, you know, had a, a TV project that I wrote with another one of my, my manager, Bash Naren, his, you know, one of his clients is Ron Clausen, who's amazing. She's like a prolific writer. Like I was so honored to work with her. Like those things start to happen just by like doing it, right. Getting the thing done. And you know, you're getting in these doors and you're, it's just funny to me. It's what me and Michael always talk about. Like, I feel like I'll always be just us making movies in our garage. Like when you actually go in and you go to like a studio a lot and you're going to pitch Paramount, like I was like laughing and like, what? This is so stupid. <laughs> like, I'm so nervous. And it's like, why? Well, who cares? Like Mark Duplass is like one of my, right. One of my, my heroes. And he always talks about that. like, I'd rather make the version for, 100k take the risk with a bunch of my friends and try to go sell it at like a film festival like you know it's just a more fun route I'd, I'd rather aim small and miss small than be the guy that like messed up you know just totally fucked up like a huge marvel movie or something so um, not that i'll be happy to work you know for marvel <laughs> there is that moment where you have to like let go of the project you just did right like you just dove into it. You were fully there, fully identified with it. Yeah. And then I've started to get more comfortable with that process though, because there's this sort of, it used to be unbearable, but now it's this process that kind of like, it's a release of something. It's like yeah. letting go. And I feel like I'm getting, it. Yeah. getting lighter in that moment. And I can think about new things, but it does, it, it has taken me months at times to figure yeah. out like, what am I going to put myself into next? Yeah. You know, sure. those are deep creative times. They're really yeah. beautiful mm -hmm. times for growth. Yeah. Yeah. For the first time you're hearing little thing, people saying you should do this, like yeah. your next thing to be this. And you're just like, well, I just want to keep same, same way I went about the last one, you know, yep. just one foot in front of the other. So, so let's, uh, let's jump into the, the blacklist script. You know, the guy that I met with through Joe, Kyle Anderson, my writing partner, uh, we had a little bit of success with a, the TV show that we got set up and then uh, Halloween comedy we got set up uh, that we actually wrote with another one of our buddies, Sam Hayes. Um, and so we were, you know, we just, we were just working on the next thing and Bash Naren, who's Kyle's manager and Joe or Joe's manager too. And just pretty much like one of our best buds, he's always around. He, uh, he saw that there was an author trying to get a publishing deal on a Mac Miller biography about a year after Mac's, Mac's death. And he was like, he was like, I think a movie should coincide with this book. This book is probably going to get a deal. And he wanted to set up some writers with a, with a call with this author who ended up getting the publishing deal and seeing if they wanted to work together or work separately and, and both work on a Mac Miller story that, you know, whether we're, a, I'm not attached to the book, the, the author of the book's not attached to the movie by any means, but just two people working on the same thing and maybe helping each other out. And if the book comes out, the movie will look better. If the movie comes out, the book will do better. Right. Yeah. So he came to us. We had never written a drama before and he came to us and he thought we were the guys. And, uh, you know, I had to, I loved Mac Miller at that time, especially because that album swimming got me through that heartbreak that I was talking about earlier. Um, all of, all of 2018. And, so he, he was very relevant to me at the time. And same with Kyle. Kyle grew up with him. Kyle was like a big hip hop head and, and knows so much about music more than most people. And we just kind of spent two weeks researching Mac, seeing if we could really sink our teeth into a story. And we decided, let's do it. And when we decided to do it, the goal was never to get the movie made. The goal was to get on the blacklist. That was our goal from day one. And because we had so many other projects that people weren't paying attention to that we just wanted to be seen. Yeah. So we're like, all right, so we, we wrote this movie and, um, I mean, a lot of it we wrote when I was in Santa Fe shooting my show. So we wrote a lot of it over FaceTime even, but yeah, fucking bash Darren out of He's out of his mind, man. He got us on the blacklist somehow. And it went through a couple, two major rounds of notes, one round. And then a second round where bash was literally on the porch to like for like four hours breaking down line by line. And Kyle was like sleeping and I, we recorded the whole thing. So Kyle could listen to it. <laughs> and, you know, so Bash was very hands-on as, as a manager producer in that. But, um, 
Yeah, man. I, I, I Sometimes I'm even surprised that we got – I mean, I don't know, dude. It's so rare that, like, you set a goal and you hit it exactly. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen, you yeah. know? Like, I was just happy that we wrote a script that people were liking. And then to get the blacklist, like, part of me is like, hell yeah, dude. Like, that's what we meant to do. And yeah. the other part of me is like, what the fuck, dude? Like, three wow. years ago, I was some loser trying to write in my closet and couldn't even write a good movie. Now yeah. I've got several movies written and a blacklist script, you know, but, um, dude, I mean, obviously this industry, a lot of it runs on bullshit, right? So the fact that I'm a blacklist writer now, I must be a good writer. Maybe I suck. And I wrote one good script. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Obviously not. I don't feel that way, but, uh, but that's how it works. So we have a lot of momentum right now. So I've met with like everybody and their mom, like the past month, uh, with Kyle from like a 24 to new Regency to picture start, like, Oh, yeah. We had a dope Zoom meeting this morning, you know what I'm saying? And, like, people are just – all it does is put you in another category to be taken a little bit more serious but still run into walls right where you're at. So yeah. we're elevated. We have access to all these people. But now still getting shit made is still very difficult. Yeah. So it, it, that's a big thing I think people need to understand, too, because you think, like, oh, you got on the blacklist, everything's easier. Well, it is easier in a sense. It's easier to get a meeting. It's easier to pitch somebody something. But to get something made? It's so hard. It's yeah. so hard. So just be ready to be hitting your head against the wall every step of the way. It just changes a little differently as it, as you progress. Yeah. But I, I'm in the best position I could be in right now as a writer, and Kyle and I are working on our next thing, and you know, hopefully gearing up to I'll produce and and act in this film that that Joe's directing and Zach Krause wrote. Um. So yeah, man, it's just it's just oh, more more doors, so many doors open. But it's just so funny how how there are so many closed doors too once yeah. you open a new door. Yeah, yeah. worth noting for on on Bash too. Like this guy's done this before. The guy's a beast. We love Bash. He did the, like, he did the blacklist thing before. Yeah, yeah I'm who I brought up who I have the TV show project with. Um, she he did the same thing with her with the J.K. Rowling biopic, the Harry Potter one that put her on the blacklist and kind of set her off too. So. Bash knows what he's doing, you know? The man, dude. Dude, we got to get Kyle on, on the show next time. For sure, dude. 100%. When I met Kyle, we, I think we accidentally, like, drank out of the same beer or something. And so... Pre-corona, pre-corona. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had the whole Heineken history behind us, so we'll have to, uh, have to loop him in next time. It's practically made out, dude. I'm super grateful for how much you guys shared. And also, just, dude, the energy that you guys bring to the projects that you do, the camaraderie that you've built and the rapport that you've built, it's super palpable. And it's also, it's also, it's a great example of a, of a healthy environment because you can see the result, right? It's like the proof of value is already there. The quality of the work you guys are doing, um, the quality of the conversations you're having and the quality of like the mindset shit that we're talking about. It's just good shit, man. And I think that there's a ton of value here for people. So appreciate you guys. For sure. Dude, we, we appreciate you, man. There's a, there's a reason that we're on this call with you and that we've known each other for a little while now, man. We really try to try to surround ourselves with the coolest, you know, nicest, most respectful hustlers, talented people. And, you know, we're fortunate that you're, you're in that circle and we're, we're a part of your circle as well, man. So thank you. That's it, fam. Hope you really enjoyed the episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get this in front of more people. Thanks for listening to Millennial Producer.